fascinating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. A tremendous Thursday to you. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show. Like Julie just said, no need to repeat that really, but you know where you are. You're with me. and You can call this number 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149 is the toll-free listener line. Sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters for The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. You can also email the program. The address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. And find me, speaking of at, the at symbol, you can find me on Twitter slash X on that social media app, at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. Well, today is really an incredible feast day. It's the feast day of the Founding Fathers. And it's not who you think. It's not who you think. Now, of course, you're familiar with the Founding Fathers of the United States, on July the 4th, 1776, the Second Continental Congress, you, you know your history. In the Declaration of Independence, they said this, quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, I don't even think the Founding Fathers of the United States realized the import of those words, how powerful they were. I think they did, but, but man, this was absolutely inspired. And, of course, the United States of America was founded on this idea that all people, all men and women, are created equal. And this was absolutely unthinkable, really, at the time, politically. Think about King George, and I don't know if you've seen... Uh, the Hamilton play, the musical, whether you've seen it live or or, or on video, but the King George character is absolutely hilarious. Um, but in that day, I mean, people were ruled by kings, and, and there was kind of essentially a caste system, if you will, in society. You had to be obedient to the king, uh, to those in power, and you could never really improve your lot in life. You kind of were who you were. You had to sort of stay in your station in life, and you couldn't really advance yourself too much. But this radical idea that all people are created equal, and that was tested for sure. That was absolutely tested, and, and it still is to this day. And think about Abraham Lincoln in 1863 when he said four score and seven years ago. And he was, obviously, this is you know the Civil War time in the United States. He said, quote, Our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. And then he said this, that the Civil War was, quote, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. And the Civil War was certainly a, a massive test for the United States, and it passed that test. The rebellion failed, and the United States endures to this day. Now, now not that that ideal has been perfectly executed by any stretch of the imagination, but when those guys, when the Founding Fathers of the United States, when they signed that Declaration of Independence on July the 4th, 1776, and it says that they pledged their, quote, lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor, end of quote, to try to expound and, and, and enact this, this idea of freedom, liberty, human equality, they, they really, as one historian said, they really were kind of essentially, they knew that they were potentially signing their own death warrant. They knew they were really putting everything on the line, their whole selves, everything at their disposal. And that's why John Hancock, and you probably heard that 
that expression, hey, have you, have you put your John Hancock on this? Have you signed this document? Where does it come from? Well, John Hancock, when he signed the Declaration of Independence, apparently he wrote in massively large letters, maybe kind of reminds me a little bit about St. Paul in, in his letter to the Galatians. See with what large letters I used to write my name. He essentially took the the um, the quill from the scribe that he had hired, and, and he said, I'm going to just write here myself. And he maybe had eyesight trouble, who knows, and he, he wanted people to know it was really him. And John Hancock essentially said, I'm writing big letters. I'm signing my name just really in a grandiose way so that King George, I hope he sees this. You know where to find me. You know where to find me. If you want to come for me, you know where to find me. So they're really putting everything they can on the line for freedom in this land. And I'll tell you what, speaking of men who essentially signed their own death warrant for the sake of true freedom long, long before George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, and and all the others, I'm talking about the North American martyrs. It's their feast day today because they really brought true freedom to these shores long before the Declaration of Independence was ever signed. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149 is the number to call. Toll free to talk to me if you've got a comment and you got a take on this. Now, it's interesting because the North American martyrs, and back then the United States wasn't, wasn't a country yet, but they're actually called the Canadian martyrs in Canada, and I'm broadcasting from Toronto, Canada, as you know, uh, Actually, the feast day for, for these guys in Canada was last month in September, but um, in the United States, it's this month. And in what is now Canada, that's where these guys came to. And they were Jesuits from France. And these guys were, j- just like the founding fathers of the United States, these guys were absolute, they, they were elite individuals. And by that, I mean, these guys were brilliant, just like Ben Franklin was a brilliant mind. These guys were absolutely incredibly well-educated. They had so many great prospects uh, financially, uh, scholastically. They could have done anything they wanted. They really could have. But they chose to give their lives knowing they're probably going to come here to their deaths on North American shores because of their love for the people, the native peoples of North America. And they, they just like the founding fathers of America, no matter the color of one's skin, no matter what somebody's background is, they wanted them to experience freedom and the true freedom that can only come by Jesus Christ because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And the truth will set you free, as Jesus said in the Gospel of John. So that's really what it's all about. And I kind of got this idea of of these North American martyrs being like uh, the founding fathers of the United States. That that idea came to me uh, via a blog post by Jared Zimmerer, Zimmerer, excuse me, uh, Jared Zimmerer, um, who uh, has a blog called thosecatholicmen.com. And uh, he, wrote, he wrote about the North American martyrs like St. Jean de Brebeuf, St. Isaac Jogues, almost like the founding fathers of the faith on North American shores. And, the, and it's interesting because when, when the American founding fathers signed the declaration, they said that these inalienable rights come from the creator. And, and that's true. That's absolutely true. And in 1636, this is when the North American martyrs came to this continent. And, and really, it was just a, a vast seedbed. And they wanted to, to absolutely plant the, the seeds of the gospel uh, here in North America. And they wanted to create something new, something the world had never seen before, as Jared Zimmerer said, somewhat like the founding fathers of America. And would this work? Would this ideal work? Would it take root? Well, absolutely. The gospel has always taken root all over the world, because it's true. 
it's absolutely true. And it, and it corresponds to the true desires of the human heart. So everybody has a right to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what drove Father Isaac Jogues and Father Jean de Brebeuf. And they had many companions as well, some of them priests, some of them laymen, uh, who also were martyred along with them. And, and let me just talk to you a little bit about uh, St. Isaac Jogues, for one. He's so inspiring to, to many of us. When he, was, when he went to um, Quebec, the, the Canadian settlement in Quebec, and he was, his job was to evangelize, to catechize uh, the native peoples. And there were all these tribes. There were the Iroquois. There were the Huron Indians. There were also um, the, the Mohawks. And, and they were very often at war with one another. The Iroquois hated the Hurons. And um, he was trying to reach everybody, no matter what. And in just a few years, unfortunately, Father Isaac Jogue was, was captured by the Iroquois. He was ministering to the Hurons, and he was captured by the Iroquois. He was tortured. He was put in prison. Uh, he was beaten severely. And this is, I, I don't want to kind of gross you out here, but you probably know the story. Uh, his hands were mutilated. Um, some of the natives had uh, burned off some of his fingers, had chewed off, in some cases, some of his fingers, and at that time in the Catholic Church, as a priest, a priest was only allowed to hold the sacred host between his thumb and forefinger. And, and very often, even to this day, you might know uh, priests who, who still do it that way, uh, by the book in that sense. Um, and and, that, and they, they take great care with that. Well, you had to do it. Everybody kind of had to do it that way back then. And after about a year uh, in imprisonment, he was facing hard labor, he was tortured. Father Isaac Jogue had a chance to escape, and he took it uh, through the Dutch. There was a Dutch trading vessel. And of course, as you know, the Dutch were very involved in the New World as well. Manhattan, in many ways, was, was kind of a Dutch territory. And he was able to escape, and he went back to France. And he, he went to see his friends, and they were overjoyed that he was alive kind of knocked on the door, you know, with hands that were missing fingers. And the first thing he said was, I want to go back. And they said, are you out of your mind? They tried to kill you. You're, you are absolutely fortunate, blessed to escape alive. Yeah, you're missing some fingers, but at least you're still here. I don't care. I want to go back. I, I love these people. I want to evangelize them. And in fact, Pope Urban II actually gave Father Isaac Jogue a special dispensation that he was allowed, even though he, he couldn't use his thumb and his forefinger to, to hold the sacred host in his right hand because they'd been cut off. He, he gave him permission to use other fingers to hold the host, what he did have left. And so he could celebrate mass. And so he went back. He, he said, please, please send me back as quickly as possible. And so he, he got his wish. He went back to North America and he was martyred on his second journey. And in fact, uh, uh, a Mohawk uh, native uh, North American killed him uh, with a tomahawk blow to, to his head. So that was St. Isaac Jogue and, and Father Jean de Brebeuf as well. His martyrdom was, was even more grisly. He was an incredibly successful evangelist. You're listening to the Cale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888 He spent almost a quarter of a century in North America evangelizing and catechizing and baptizing and it is said that over 7,000 people converted while he was there. And he was a master of, of the language. He, he was able to learn the language of the Hurons. And, and he actually composed a famous Christmas carol called the Huron Carol. It's very well known, especially in Canada. 
And it's one of the best examples ever of enculturation of the gospel in not changing the gospel message at all, but but making it relevant to that culture in a way that the people could understand. He was just brilliant at that. And he also had a chance to leave, to go back home and kind of just be a returning hero. Uh, the English at that time had kind of overtaken Quebec and, and obviously North America. The English and the French were fighting over territory all the time. But he said, no. I'm not going to I'm not I'm going to stay here out of love for these people. Tragically, a pandemic of sorts broke out. It was a smallpox pandemic. And unfortunately, being rather superstitious at the time, uh, some of the native peoples there, they they blamed it on the Jesuit priests, the black robes as they called them because of their distinctive dress. They said it's got to be because of these guys. It's got to be because of their strange religion. They they brought this bad omen upon us. So Father Jean de Brebeuf and his companions were captured tortured horrifically for hours and hours and hours. And I, and I do want to, I do want to read some of this to you. And I, I, again, I don't want to gross you out. So it, it, it is very, a little bit, I'll try to sanitize it as much as possible, but if you have little ones nearby that maybe uh, I don't want to give anybody nightmares, but um, it's important to understand uh, what they really went through for the sake of the gospel. And there, there are many accounts of the martyrdom of uh, Jean de Brebeuf, but what happened was uh, the Iroquois um, captured the village where he was. Uh, they seized Father Jean de Brebeuf, his companions, set fire to all the huts, and they just they just unleashed all of their rage. Um, uh, martyred along with um, Father Jean de Brebeuf was Gabriel de Lalamont. Uh, Gabriel Lalamont, excuse me. And uh, they were each stripped naked. They were tied to a post. Uh, the, their nails were torn, fingernails were torn out. They were beaten with blows, um, and they took these these um, I guess you could say these these axe heads, if you will, uh, these iron um, you know hatchet heads, that, and, and they heated them up in the fire and, and kind of made a necklace out of them, and they hung it they hung it around his neck and just seared his flesh. I mean, this is just ghastly stuff, and, and not once did. Father Jean de Brebeuf ever cry out uh, despite all of his pains. In fact, he started preaching to these guys and urging them to repent. And they, they just couldn't believe it. And one of the, one of the guys, um, one, of the, um, one of the Iroquois who knew he had seen Father Jean de Brebeuf baptizing people, he knew a little bit about the, the rite of baptism. He took a boiling cauldron of water and poured it over his head three times in an, in an a mock of baptism. And he said, okay, you say the baptism and the sufferings of this life lead straight to paradise. Well, you're going to go soon. I have now baptized you. I'm going to make you suffer to go sooner to your paradise. And uh, several other torments, uh, they made him run the gauntlet. Um, He was scalped. Uh, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And they couldn't believe that that while he still had breath in his body, he was urging them to repent and still convert. But at last, uh, after they, after they killed him, uh, the Iroquois actually cut out his heart and ate it. Now, I, I, again, that's ghastly to, to think about, but the reason why they did that was they were so impressed by his courage under torture. They, and that he did not cry for mercy that they, I mean, he was a, obviously a real mensch and they just said, man, whatever he's got, whatever courage he's got in his heart, I want that. And, 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 to their way of thinking, this was how to get it. Um, 
clearly, uh, obviously very pagan. But having said that, that that's how powerful his martyrdom really was. And the blood of the martyrs, the seed of the church, as you know, and this happened on the 16th day of March in 1649, the martyrdom of Father Jean de Brebeuf. So, that, I mean, in light of that powerful testimony uh, uh, of the North American martyrs, how can we respond to that? I think one of the things that Jean Paul II, and by the way, his feast day is coming up on October 22, uh, coming up real soon. Uh, St. John Paul the Great, when he came to North America, and he came, and he came a few times, when, when he, came, he came, he went to the shrine of the, of the Canadian martyrs, the North American martyrs, and it's about oh, just a couple hours from, from, from where I live. And when he went there, he celebrated Mass. I, I think actually Father Rocky was there that day. Father might be listening right now as he's on his way to St. Joseph's Oratory in Montreal. And of course, St. Joseph being really, as we say, the head of Relevant Radio, we we're imploring him. Uh, for help to keep us going. Uh, and, and Father Rocky does this pilgrimage all the time, and he takes your prayer requests uh, with him as he goes. And and as he's driving into uh, the heart of the church, if you will, in Canada, um, I think I think Father told me he was there that day, that, that St. John Paul II came to the shrine of these North American martyrs. And, and this is what he said. He said, we've got to do what they did in a certain sense, because we... People are not going to come into the church. John Paul II essentially said, we have to go to them. It's, it's highly unlike. Some people sometimes wander into the church and they're, they're looking for God and they, and they think, oh, I'll try the Catholic church. But most of the time, we have to go out to them. And this is what he said. Here's, here's a quote from John Paul II. We can no longer expect people to come to our community spontaneously. There must instead be a new missionary outreach in the cities with dedicated men and women and young people going forth in Christ's name to invite people into the community of the church. This is a crucial element, which a new evangelization of the cities will require. So John Paul II always talked about the new evangelization. And it's a lot like the old evangelization in the sense that we have to do it like the first Christians did it. Because back then, uh, the church was illegal. It was underground. You couldn't have public masses. Uh, you couldn't invite somebody to a papal mass at the Colosseum in Rome. And uh, by the way, speaking of Rome on the Faith Explained show, we've just started a brand new series on St. Paul's letter to the Romans. And the church in the first century, all of the popes were martyred until for, for the first couple hundred years. And so we, we've got to have that same energy, JP said, the same heroic outreach that Jean de Brebeuf and Isaac Jogues had, Margaret Bourgeois, Margaret Duville, and some of the other native saints of Canada, North America. We've got to make our faith and missionary heroism, he said, shine no less brightly than it did in other ways in the past. Because this is really the true freedom of the human person created in the image of God. We, we have to bring them uh, in to the light of the truth. You're listening to the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888 Let's go to Vinny in Ramsey, New Jersey, near Newark, New Jersey. Hey, Vinny. Hey, how are you? Can you hear me? I sure can. Yeah, you're loud and clear. Go ahead. Great. So it's funny that you're telling this story about St. Isaac Jogues because about two, three weeks ago, I went on a pilgrimage with about 800 people in upstate New York from Lake George, New York, to the Shrine of American Martyrs, Mm. of Our Lady of the American Martyrs. Um, And it was a 60-mile, 68-mile walk over the course of three days um, with, you know, 
an amazing group of people, most of which were young, younger people, college age, high school age. There are even some young kids in my, in my brigade that were 10, eight years old who didn't complain once the entire time. And it was, wow. it was filled with, you know, prayer, you know, throughout, as you're walking through the Adirondacks, you're praying the rosary, um, you know, going to mass in the morning, where there was priests and religious nuns there. Apparently this has been going on for about 29 years. I didn't. I never knew about it till this year. I, I read an article in the bulletin about it, so I, I I did it, and it was an amazing experience. You know, mass every day, confession, and then a big mass at the at the shrine, mm-hmm. um, at the, at the culmination of the pilgrimage. So, you know, if anyone else wants to check it out for next year, it's the pilgrimage for restoration dot com, um, okay. and or dot org. I'm not sure, but it's been going on for about thirty years now, and. You know, it was an amazing experience, and I think you know you hear the stories of of the what the mm-hmm. the saints went through trying to bring the you know the gospel uh, to the native people and what they had to endure, and it's just amazing. And you know, some of these kids, you know, they were so filled with the faith and zeal for the faith. It was amazing. They would have different different uh, when we would assemble at the at the campsites, we would camp out at night in tents. Um, you know, they would each have their own sort of like battle cry as, as a brigade, they would call it. And wow. one particular was Saint, the St. Saint Athanasius Brigade. They, they yelled out, if the world is against the truth, we are against the world. And on that just, wow, that's a, really that's a great rallying cry. That is beautiful, Vinny. I, I appreciate that call and telling us about that. And by the way, uh, our crack researcher, Patrick Alock has actually looked up the website. It, it is pilgrimage hyphen or dash pilgrimage-for-restoration.org. So you were right, Benny, it was .org. Uh, we'll put a link uh, to that in the show notes as well. Maybe producer Jim can can take care of that. And hey, thanks for alerting us to that, Benny. And yeah, so you can get a chance to walk in the footsteps of the North American martyrs and what an inspiration they are to us on this day. Really the true founding fathers of the faith here in North America. Let's go to Jim in Front Royal, Virginia, the home of Christendom College. Big supporters of Relevant Radio. Hey, Jim. Hey, Kale. How you doing, buddy? Good. It's good to hear from you again. Yeah, sure. So two of my sons did that uh, that pilgrimage that uh, your previous caller talked about. Oh, wow. To Thomas, Thomas Moore College up in uh, uh, New Hampshire. And, yeah, it's a pretty awesome experience and uh, pretty painful in the legs, what they tell me, but worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, <laughs> so I'm calling about um, the first time I heard about the North American martyrs is through a uh, a live outdoor play. It's a saint walk written by Father Nolan up at uh, the Seton Shrine, and it's uh, it's 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 a counter to the typical Halloween spooky graveyard walk. This ah. is a walk through. He he wrote a play. You walk through a cemetery. And you encounter live martyrs and saints in the cemetery. I shouldn't say live, but, you know, living <laughs> actors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so um, uh, the, the parish that I attend, Epiphany of Our Lord, uh, Byzantine Catholic Church in Annadale, they, uh, I was, uh, they, they've gone up there a couple of years, and, and uh, my theater group was told about, or I was told about this, and I introduced it to my theater group out here in Front Royal, St. John's Drama Club, mm-hmm. getting all these names in there for you. <laughs> and um, anyway, so we've done it now about four four years in a row, and it'll be again this year, at, uh, the weekend before Halloween, 
we don't use a cemetery. We actually use the campus of St. John's and okay. uh, have little, you know, hideaways around where you encounter saints. And the first saints that you encounter are the North American martyrs. Wow. Uh, and it's just amazing, their yeah. story. It is. Um, yeah. Yeah, anyway. and, you know, I thank you for telling us about that, Jim. I appreciate the call. It's great to hear from you. Yeah, I think I think so many people are just unaware of them and their heroic sacrifice. And um, there's so many great saints of that period: uh, Saint Kateri, Tekakwitha, the Lily of the Mohawks, another a convert. Amazing, amazing story as well. You can look her up too. Uh, just, it's just so inspiring, and um, the things that they had to go through. I mean, we, when we look at the excuses we make for for not uh, putting our heart into our faith and really giving everything, uh, really just signing our life over to God. You know, we, we look at these guys, and it can really encourage us to to give more, to, to really give all of ourselves to Jesus Christ and his mission for us in this world. We've all got one. We've all got one uh, from our mother's womb. God had a plan for each one of us, and he's going to reveal that to you if you get in touch with him. He's not hiding his will, folks. We're going to be right back. You're not going to want to miss what we have next on The K.O. Clark Show, 888 888- 914-9149. Be right back. Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me. Cincinnati, Cincinnati, WKRP. Got kind of tired of packing and unpacking. Downtown, up and down, down, up and down, down. Baby, you and me were never meant to be. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm on WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. Well, I can tell you, I'm not at WKRP in Cincinnati, but I am on WNKN in Cincinnati. That's right, 105.9 FM. That's our new relevant radio station. I'm so happy to announce this. And that gives us access now in relevant radio land to two new markets, Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. So how about that? So I want to welcome all of our new listeners in Cincinnati and in Dayton. And if you don't know what that song was all about, uh, that was from the sitcom that started in 1978. A lot of you guys remember that, WKRP in Cincinnati, a really hilarious comedy show featuring characters like Les Nessman, Dr. Johnny Fever, Herb Tarlick, and of course, Jennifer Marlowe, played by Lonnie Anderson. And Jim, do you remember Lonnie Anderson? (laughs) I do. I, do. I watched the reruns, though. I was uh, that shows a little bit before my time, but uh, it was a classic, classic. Still oh. love watching the old episodes. Yeah, it, it is great, and we we have I think just as many characters at Relevant Radio as they had at WKRP. But anyways, we're we're so happy to be on the air in Cincinnati, and uh, so glad to be with you on the Kale Clark Show on WNKN in Cincinnati and all of our other two hundred stations nationwide, not to mention streaming live on the Relevant Radio app on relevantradio.com. Reaching a lot of souls, and speaking of souls, in November, how's that for a segue? We celebrate the lives of our friends, family members who have passed away. We're going to pray for their entry into the kingdom of heaven, because some of them might be in purgatory. 
And that's why we want you to join your Relevant Radio family in prayer. We're going to offer a novena for these holy souls. You can actually submit the names of up to 20 friends and family members, departed loved ones at relevantradio.com slash souls. That's relevantradio.com slash souls. And not only that, when you submit the names of your loved ones, you're also going to be automatically signed up to get reflections from Father Rocky every day of the novena. And that's, that novena is going to be prayed from uh, November the 2nd, Feast of All Souls, uh, through November the 10th. And that'll help you to enter more deeply spiritually into prayer for your loved ones. So once again, you can add your names, uh, your loved ones' names, uh, at relevantradio.com slash souls and join us November 2nd through 10th for this novena, Daily Mass, the live stream Divine Mercy Chapel at 3 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio, and of course the Family Rosary across America at 7 p.m. Central, only here on Relevant Radio. Well, uh, kind of going back in time uh, to WKRP in Cincinnati, but I wanted to share, speaking of time travel, I wanted to get to this yesterday, but we were having so much fun uh, talking about uh, St. Luke and the top 10 things we need to know about him. I, I wanted to share this with you, but I just kind of ran out of time, but I, I don't want to leave you hanging here. I wanted to talk a little bit about how you can kind of travel through time as well, backwards and forwards, into the past, into the future, and use it as a life hack. Now, what am I talking about? Well, uh, there's a writer and entrepreneur named Sahil Bloom. He, he writes an interesting uh, newsletter called The Curiosity Chronicle. And um, he, he's, he's pretty popular on Twitter. He's got, I think, over a million. Yeah, he does have over a million followers. And it, it, it's interesting. He talks about this idea of becoming a time traveler of, of sorts. And how do you kind of do this? And Sahil Bloom says that People that he knows, like even really successful people in life, everybody kind of struggles with the same thing. We struggle to appreciate the present moment, number one. And number two, we struggle how to identify what we can do to create a better future for us, the future that we see for ourselves. And here's a great future, sainthood, canonized sainthood. How about that? Yes, you are called to be a canonizable saint. And, uh, on the Faith Explained show. We're going to talk about this a little bit, uh, maybe tomorrow, because we're looking at St. Paul's letter to the Romans. That's one of the letters where he starts off by saying, hey, to you in Rome who are called to be saints. Everybody's called to be a saint. Not just the priests, not just the nuns, not just the apostles, but every single baptized Catholic. So we all kind of struggle to appreciate the present, and you've probably heard of corny lines you know, the, why, why is it the present? Well, it's because it's a gift. You know, we have to uh, live in the gift of this moment. It's the only one we have. The past is gone. The future isn't here yet. But we do want to become who God wants us to be in the future. And, and, and this isn't, a, by the way, he's not writing this post to heal bloom from a spiritual point of view at all necessarily, but I think we can apply some spiritual lessons to it. So he talks about mental time travel. Uh, sorry to disappoint if you thought somebody had actually invented a time travel machine. Not yet, but mental time travel. What is that all about? Well, most of us have kind of done that, or at least tried to in, in a couple of different ways. We sit in the present moment, and we try to go back to the past. We try to imagine the past, and we wish we could go back, maybe fix a couple of mistakes, adjust our course. And, and, but th here's the thing. Again, this is a misuse of the present moment, because we're using our present moment that God has gifted us in order to try to go back to the past. We can't do that. We can't do that. But we sit in the present, imagine the past, but we also tend to sit in the present and imagine the future. 
and what that might be like. And we, we, we have this idea in our head of, of what, what it could be like. And so we, we try to use the present to make some plans now to create our desired future. So he, he calls this standard mental time travel. <laughs> but there's another version. There's kind of an enhanced mental time travel that we can participate in. How, how can we do that? Well, he says, here's what you can do instead. Instead of sitting in the present moment and trying to imagine the past or remembering some events from the past, why not, instead of sitting in the present moment, sit in the past and consider yourself in the present? Ooh, that, that's, kind of a, that's kind of a mind bender right there. Imagine yourself in the past thinking about what your life is like now. Or you can try sitting in the future and considering yourself right now in the present moment. So this would be the idea of you're 90 years old, you're sitting on your front porch in your rocking chair, and you're looking back at you right now. And you're saying to yourself, hey, you need to do this to get here. <laughs> that kind of thing. So this really requires a way more flexible imagination. It requires you. And I talked about this sort of in a, in a certain way uh, a couple months ago on the Kale Clark Show, this idea of, talking to having an imaginary conversation with your 90 year old self and what do you what do you want that what what do you think your 90 year old self would say to you right now to get you to where you need to be so but but if you can kind of do this this enhanced mental time travel put yourself in the past and look at yourself now in the present or sit in the future and consider yourself now in the present it can really help you in a couple of different ways first of all professionally um there are a couple of authors, Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan. They wrote a book about the gap and the gain, the gap and the gain. So that the gap is where you are and where you want to be. And the gain is where you were and where you are. So that's kind of, that's, this is the idea of going back in the past. And you might be thinking, man, it's amazing that I got to this point. Be your past self, you know, as a, I don't know, like a 15-year-old and say, man, I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I got here. That, that's pretty incredible. So th that's actually a real a recipe for gratitude, by the way. All the great things that God has done in and through you and for you in the lives of other people. It's just incredible. So this, this is the idea that you can get back into the past and see the gain that, that's happened physical growth, intellectual growth, hopefully spiritual growth, but also it can uh, allow you to zoom into the future to see the, the gap as well. And, and just uh, on a personal level, it can help you to really be, like I said, more grateful. And, and this is where, again, shifting back in time, you're, you can be amazed at your younger self would be amazed at what you're doing now in a lot of ways. Um, hopefully they would be anyways. <laughs> so here's some questions that you can ask yourself. And again, these are courtesy of Sahil Bloom. This is, these are questions you can ask yourself for this enhanced time travel with respect to the past. What was your definition of enough five years ago? That, that's a really good question. That's a really, really good question. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show, 888-914-9149. What was your definition of enough five years ago? Okay, if I, if I, can, if I can do this or if I can get this, that, oh, that would, I'd be satisfied. I'd be grateful. I'd be, I'd be fulfilled. How does that compare to how you would ask that question today? What's your definition of enough now? And this is, this is important because the goalposts can shift for us, right? And it's just, you know, it's good that we're consciously thinking about these things. Here's another question. 
What would your five-year younger self, if you could go back five years, that would be what, 2018? What would you, eh, hey, I was sick the day they taught math, but I figured that out. What would your five-year younger self be proud of you for? What, what would your five-year younger, or what about 10 years younger self for 20 years? What would that younger version of yourself be proud of you for doing, for accomplishing, for saying, for what actions that you took? So that's, that's really interesting because it, it's, it's sometimes easy to forget all the great things that have happened in your life to this point. And that's why I think it's a really good idea, if you, if you can, to keep a prayer journal. If you ever wonder whether your prayers work or not, whether God hears your prayers or answers your prayers, keep a prayer journal. Because sometimes we forget what we prayed about six weeks ago or five years ago. Or, oh, man, God answered that prayer. And he actually did it in a way that is far better than what I could have wanted him to do. Because I did have an idea of what I wanted God to do. And I said to God, please let my will be done. And he said, nope. My will is much better. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. So that's those are good questions to ask with respect to this enhanced time travel with the past. But what about the future? What about the future? You could ask yourself this. If you woke up in 10 years and you were in flow, you're in a state of flow, whatever that, whatever you think that is, what, what actions did you take that got you there? That's a really, really good question because... Um, Actions and choices that you make now will set up the future for you later. Obviously, Rome wasn't built in a day. This idea of being in flow, maybe you're doing what you wanted to do, what you feel gifted to do, your, your ideal situation, your ideal uh, job, your home life, your family life, whatever the case may be, your spiritual life. Man, I see myself praying a daily rosary with Father Rocky on the Family Rosary Across America, and that's a habit in my life. It's part of my flow. Daily Mass, um, if possible. Reading the New Testament for five minutes a day mental, you know, whatever you think about your spiritual life. You're, you're, so it's not just uh, professional goals, personal goals. Here's another question. If you woke up in 10 years, now I don't know if I like this one as much. If you woke up in 10 years and everything was broken, what went wrong? Uh, I don't know if I like this one. This, this is a pre-mortem exercise. You've heard of post-mortems and um, that always makes me laugh because uh I'm a big sports fan. My, my wife, Trish, hates it when I watch the post-game shows. I like the post-mortems. I, I like, to, uh, I like to, to get the breakdown of what went wrong, what happened. She's like, it's over. Just leave it. But I like the post-mortems. But what about pre-mortems? This is a pre-mortem exercise. If you woke up in 10 years and everything has just gone to heck in a handbasket, what went wrong? Now, this can be useful because it can help you to avoid potholes. But you can't always foresee everything. That's, that's the thing. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We have to leave a lot of it in. The, we have to make a plan, of course. It's irresponsible not to, but we do have to leave things in the providential hands of God. Here's another question. If everything else stayed the same, what one variable would create the biggest positive change for you? If everything else stayed the same, what, what's one variable that could create the biggest positive change for you? So start there. Start with that one thing. There's a lot of things you, you know, you can get overwhelmed with everything you need to do to get to your ideal state, but think about one thing that you could change. What, what's your big ticket item? If I just did this, that would create a huge, huge difference going forward. All right, one more little question. Imagine you're living your ideal day in the future. What are you doing? Who are you spending the time with? What's going on? And how does it differ from what you're doing now? It's just kind of an interesting thought exercise to, to take this sort of enhanced mental 
time travel and try to build the gap. And hopefully you see yourself as a canonizable saint because that's God's dream for you. Got to get out, take a quick break, but call me. A couple of you guys are on hold right now. We'll try to get you after the break. A couple lines open. Call me, 888-914-9149. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Be right back. Explaining the faith so you can explain it to others. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to the program, 888-914-9149 is the number to call toll-free to talk to me. Our listener line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, 888-914-9149. We've been talking about enhanced mental time travel because regular old mental time travel just doesn't cut it anymore. Got to go first class. And we talked about the North American Martyrs or Feast Day today. I I called them the Founding Fathers of the Faith in North America. A lot of similarities to the Founding Fathers of America, if you missed it. Catch the podcast after the show. Let's go to the phones right now. Once again, 888-914-9149. Let's go to Joe in Wellington, New Jersey. Hey, hey, Joe, how you doing? Okay, great. It's Wallington, but that's okay. Oh, Wallington. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I, the print that's was okay. really small on my screen. I didn't see it. So, Okay, thank you, okay, Joe. Okay, I understand. My eyes are good. Okay, anyway, back in 1991, a movie came out called The Black Robe. Yes. Yes. And I'm not sure if it was a true story. It was based on a novel called The Black Robe of Father LaForge. And uh, he got in a lot of doo-doo, so to speak, with the Huron and the Algonquin Indians. And then he finally got a, a group of uh, Algonquins to take him up the St. Lawrence River. Mm. And, I mean, if you watch that movie, it's just it's unbelievable. It's rated R. I'm not sure why, because I remember the mission came out a couple of years before, and that was only rated yeah. PG. I think there might have been uh, a little explicit sex scene between uh, how the American Indians used to do their thing. But anyway, that movie was just, it was unbelievable. And if you really want to get, I think, a really good view of what these guys went through, through the hardships and all that. I mean, just the, the weather that they had to put up with. The, yeah, uh, that's right. You know, they weren't used to it. It was fantastic. So that's all I had to say. And I uh, couldn't help but thinking about that when you mentioned the yeah, partners sure. and all that this morning. Yeah, Joe, thanks for calling. I'm glad that I'm glad that you mentioned that, actually, because I was thinking about that too. I remember seeing that film. And again, it came out in 1991, decades ago, but but and, and that's what the Jesuit missionaries were called. They were called the Black Robes uh by the native populace. And um I remember that I'm again, it's been a long time since I've seen that, but I do remember that being well done and a good representation of what they went through. And of course, you mentioned also the mission with Robert De Niro, uh, Jeremy Irons. That is an amazing film. If you've ever seen that, if you haven't seen the mission, you have to see that. Uh, it is absolutely powerful it is man. It's one of the most powerful movies ever made. Love it. All right, Joe, appreciate that call in Wellington, New Jersey. Let's go now to Philly. Let's go to John in Philadelphia. Hello, John. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, no yeah, you know, I was thinking if I time travel back, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, to when I got a job uh, with a fortune 500 company, Mm-hmm. And uh, they gave me $7,500, uh, you know, when I was 25, or $7,500 a year. And I thought, geez, I'm doing good. And they said, yeah. geez, and you're going to get 7500 when you retire. But, you know, what they didn't tell me about is the, uh, the surge of inflation and deflation. Yeah. So yeah. the purchasing power of the dollar back in the 60s was far greater than the purchasing power now. And uh, I'm told every... 50 years, okay, it's 10 times more. So you buy something mm. for a dollar, you got to spend $10. Mm. Uh, you know, but 
you know, 75, okay, would be, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 15 times, okay? But yep. uh, for a lot of us, okay, 25 years, okay, would be five times more. So you buy a car for, uh, you know, 5,000, now you got to pay, you know, five times, 25,000. You say, wow, that's a lot. That's a used car, by the way. <laughs> so uh, it just just to get people to think about that, and, uh, and and it's only by the grace of God, of course, that I got from that point to where I am now, and mm. the fact that I'm able to uh, survive on some of the the advice that I, I would yeah. give people. I was a financial advisor, so I was telling them, you know, how to make a f- small fortune for themselves. Well, t- so, I'll tell you what, uh, John, that's about I... all I got to say. But that inflation and deflation, the purchasing power of the dollar, the how that's shrinking, yeah. I'm told, uh, you know, it's down into the pennies now, the dollar, compared to what it used to be. So, Well, John, I appreciate that. And obviously, yeah, inflation is a, is a huge deal, and it's uh, eased somewhat from last year. I think last couple of years, it was up around 9%. I mean, if you're not yeah. getting a raise, it's essentially like getting a 9% pay cut. I mean, the cost of everything is yeah. going up. Well, 9, and, nine, into, 70, nine into 72, okay, uh, is what, 9 eight. Okay, so it'll be eight years when everything doubles. You say, "Wow, I got to pay double for this house. I got to pay double yeah. for that car." But, you know, I mean, actually, so- John, let me just jump in here for a second because um, this, this reminds me of, of something that here's a little thought exercise that you guys can play. Ask your parents this: if your parents are still around, if your parents are still with you, ask them this question, especially if they're if they're baby boomer parents. How much did they pay for their first house? And how much did they pay for their last car, their most latest vehicle? And I guarantee you, the last vehicle that they bought is more expensive than their first house. That, that was the way it was for my parents. It, it's, it's, that's the power of inflation. Uh, scary stuff, that's for sure. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Well, this whole idea of, of mystical time travel, very often we, we go through this in the spiritual life. I read this great quote last night. I happened upon it by accident while I was kind of scrolling through Twitter. And you can follow me on the Twitter app, the X app, at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. And uh, there's a, a religious scholar named uh, Amber Bowen. Uh, she's Canadian, but she's actually studying down in Notre Dame this year on a sort of an exchange program, I think, of some sort teaching there. But she posted this thing. I just kind of randomly saw it. And she posted a page from a book from a philosopher named Soren Kierkegaard. I don't know if you've ever read this guy, but... Um, this quote just kind of blew my mind. It's all about how sometimes, you know, we just, we pray so hard. We want God to kind of do our bidding, do our will. We think we know what's best for us, but it's often not the case. So here, here's what this guy said. I just got to read this to you because it's so powerful. And it was, it was like, I don't know what was on the other page of the book. It was kind of a picture of one page of the book. So here's what uh, Soren Kierkegaard said. I think it's Kierkegaard. He says, it was so very good for you that God did not let himself be tempted. Then you comprehended the apostle's admonition, why it is linked to the fallacy of wanting to tempt God. Now, what's this? How can you tempt God? Well, it's trying to, you can't tempt God, of course, but it's this idea of trying to get him to do what you want him to do. Then he goes on to say, then you perceived how foolish your behavior was. You wanted God's ideas about what was best for you to coincide with your ideas. Isn't that interesting? You wanted God's ideas about what was best for you to coincide with your ideas. But you also wanted him to be the almighty creator of heaven and earth so that he could properly fulfill your wish. 
Now that let me just stop there for a second. That that is pretty deep right there. And we all have ideas about we we hey God, this is best for me. Uh, I think about all the girls I wanted to date in high school. Oh, please let me date this girl. Well, I, I'm so glad those prayers weren't answered. It would have been a disaster. But we, we all have things, whether it be a job, whether it be a situation, we think we know what's best for us. But God's idea is different. And so you want him to do what you want, <laughs> what you want done, but you also want him to be almighty so that he can actually do it for you. But then uh, here's what Kierkegaard says. He, he goes on to say, and yet, if he were to share your ideas, he would cease to be the Almighty Father. In your childish impatience, you wanted, so to speak, to distort God's eternal nature. And you were blinded enough to delude yourself as if you would be benefited if God in heaven did not know better than you yourself what was beneficial for you. As if you would not someday discover to your horror that you had wished what no human being would be able to endure if it happened, end of quote. So he's basically saying, you don't know what you're asking for sometimes, but God does, and God knows what's best. Uh, what is the best path for you to become a saint? Uh, as scripture says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. And we thank God for that. You know, I think about disappointments in my life, things that didn't work out, and I was so crushed at the time. But now I realize, man, if that actually had happened, I would not be where I am today. I wouldn't be at Relevant Radio talking to you, for one thing. But this is really interesting. So this idea that, hey, we want God to do our bidding, but we also, we also want him to be almighty so he can get it done. But here's the thing. He's not on your level. He's not on your level. Uh, you think, you know, God's, God needs to be informed about what's best for your life. You know, let me tell you, God. What? Oh, yeah, thanks for telling me. I didn't know. He knows. He knows, and, and you just have to trust him. And I, I just love that. I think it's, a, it's an incredible quote. There's, there's some more stuff there, but that really, really struck me. I don't know if it's helpful for any of you out there going through something right now, but uh, there it is. All right, you've been listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Don't forget to join me tomorrow for The Faith Explained, 1230 Central, our brand new series on St. Paul's Letter to the Romans. Don't be afraid. A lot of people are afraid to read Romans. Oh, it's so complicated. No, it's not. We'll, we'll figure it out together. 1230 Central on Relevant Radio. Stay tuned. Timory is coming up next, plus Father Rocky and the Family Rosary. I think Father Simon's sitting in tonight as Father's on his pilgrimage to St. Joseph's Oratory. Jim Schaefer produced, Miranda assisted. Patrick took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.